This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. This is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. Andrew Stern co-leads the learning and development team at Squarespace in New York City. Prior to joining Squarespace in June 2018, Andrew held several roles in Bloomberg's talent development team, and he also worked as a human capital consultant at Deloitte. He serves on the advisory boards of Own the Room and Gen Huration. He graduated cum laude from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania with a concentration in organizational effectiveness, and he's an officer of the Wharton Alumni Club in New York. In this episode, Andrew, who was my student a while back at Wharton, and I talk about what millennials want from their employers and how Squarespace is responding with some very cool programs and practices that attract and retain millennial talent. Andrew describes benefits that go beyond what he calls their world-class healthcare insurance, such as the organization's commitment to providing each employee with two fully comped websites they can use for their own outside businesses or other interests. Andrew talks about the purpose and value of affinity groups, including one that isn't just supportive of dog-friendly policies, but also supports dog fashion shows and Halloween dress-up for dogs. It's that kind of place. Andrew explains that Squarespace aspires to be an employer that enables all of their employees to do the best work of their lives, and where employees are hired to push the boundaries of what's possible in their respective domains. I hope you like the Work and Life podcast, and if you do, I would much appreciate it if you would please rate and review it, either on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, so others are more likely to find it and enjoy it as well. Now, get set to listen to and learn from Andrew Stern of Squarespace about a company that's walking the talk and succeeding in building a culture that addresses the values and interests of millennial employees. Andrew Stern, welcome to Work and Life. Thank you for having me, Stu. It's great to be here. Well, it's it's great to have you here. Let's let's kick it off by just finding out for those people who don't know what is Squarespace all about, and then what is your mission there and your role currently. Sure. So I think you summarized it really well in your opening, Stu. Squarespace aspires to be an all-in-one platform that powers the online presence for anyone who wants to stand out. That's what we do. And so if I'm sort of a, a listener you know, on your show tonight, the thing that I would take away from that aspiration is this idea of being an all-in-one platform. Mm-hmm. We want to be the place where an individual can stand up a beautifully designed website, host their blog, 
organize appointments, generate commerce transactions, and have marketing interactions with their customers or followers um, in a really easy and beautifully designed way. I could say that I am personally a client because uh, the podcasts of the ver- the free versions of this show, wow. which we publish um, every week or so after the live show, uh, is on is is hosted by Squarespace. That's workandlifepodcast.com. And, uh, yeah, it really is easy and intuitive, but I don't take advantage of all those uh, functions and features that you just described. So uh, I want to learn more about that, but in another conversation, Andrew. Sure. So what is your mission there? Sure. So the team that I am fortunate to co-lead, along with my colleague, Christine, who sits in our Dublin office, our team is responsible for all of the internally-facing, employee-facing, learning leadership development, and product training opportunities that are made available to employees. So if you think about an employee life cycle, from the moment that someone steps into our offices and joins the organization, as they are growing in their current role, as they are promoted to their next role, as they identify and are developed for the next opportunity in a different division or a different office, Our team aspires to help those individuals, individual contributors or people managers and executives in those types of transitions and development Mm -hmm. moments throughout their careers at Squarespace and hopefully beyond, too. So how do you know if you're successful in in your contributions to the firm at this point? Well, listen, if you think back to some of our, our coursework you know, in Wharton, there's only so much that individuals are able to come to appreciate about their own development. We all have somewhat flawed self-images about our performance, our growth, our contributions. And so a lot of the measurement, the success measurement that our team undertakes involves stakeholders, to use a really important word from your work, research and methodology, mm-hmm. uh, to bring in other voices that can help us clarify or paint the picture of someone's development, evolving contributions, and impact uh, as a result of some of the work that we do. So tactically, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't necessarily just ask a learner about an experience that they had in one of our programs, but we might ask their manager, or we might ask their peers, or we might ask members of their team as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, We may look at other pools of data outside of, let's say, their assessment of a specific learning opportunity, but we may look at how they performed on a project or whether they were promoted or well-rated as Mm -hmm. part of an overall cycle. So we take a a set of other measures that are attached to a person's employment to understand our team's overall impact at the company. How much would you say uh, an employee's success depends on the support that they get uh, through uh, work like yours as opposed to the essential fit that either is going to be a good one or not on entry? Sure. Well, I think there, you're right to call out the importance of fit, um, and a mm-hmm. lot, of, lot of individuals, including yourself, would probably complement the importance of fit with this idea of a person feeling psychologically safe to contribute to that fit or, or build on that fit to contribute to the culture, not just fit within it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the work that our team does is 
Um, it's supplemented, um, in fact, meaningfully supplemented by the work of managers and sort of in-role development opportunities that individuals may get access to. Only about 10% of a, a person's total development at work is really fueled by some of these uh, experiences that our team may curate mm -hmm. or uh, may facilitate or lead uh, some of these more professional development opportunities. A lot of it comes from a person's in-role experiences as well as their interactions with their manager and other mm -hmm. mentors or developers across the company. So, so you're, the work, I have been working in the field of leadership development for a long time, and I ran uh, the Ford Motor Company's Leadership Development Center, so I had global responsibility for the leadership de development function at that company yeah. for a few years, as, as I know you know, just reminding listeners. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm deeply uh, respectful of, of the work that, that you do and that we do as a field. Um, how how have you found uh, the culture uh, at Squarespace in terms of the support that you and your colleagues get, Christine in Dublin and whoever else works with you, to uh, to really have the the room to to have an impact on the success of the people that that you bring in and that you are cultivating in the organization? Sure, it's a great question. I think Squarespace as an organization is at a really important moment of inflection as a business as it continues to grow in headcount, expand its domestic and international presence as it completes acquisitions and so forth. Hmm. And we are fortunate at that moment of inflection, Christine and I co-leading this team and the, the members of our team, we're fortunate that the organization deeply believes in this work. And so that manifests in, yeah. in three ways, truthfully. One, there's work that our team does from a sort of central learning and development space. In some cases, we're delivering offerings that are enterprise-wide. In other cases, we are delivering value to specific teams or business groups. Number two, um, we at the company have set up a, a budget infrastructure where departments are allocated a set amount of money to give out to members of those respective departments in support of employee development pursuits, going to achieve, let's say, a specific certification or credential, going to a conference, things of that sort. And in addition to that, sort of more holistically, outside of the development space exclusively, but more on the employee engagement side, we have also funded uh, what we call sort of team culture budgets within different groups. And so What's that? what does that look like? Could you give me an example of how a team culture budget gets uh, applied and, and used fruitfully? Sure. So in the same way um, that a team development budget might be used to send somebody to a conference, a team mm -hmm. culture budget may be used to uh, fund some type of a team celebration, to mark an employee's birthday or their mm -hmm. anniversary with the company, uh, to mark a special life cycle moment in their life perhaps outside of work, a, a wedding or the birth of a child perhaps. Uh, the team culture budget is available for people managers and other leaders to say, what are the, 
what are the moments where I want to sort of celebrate with my team and mark special opportunities, be it mm-hmm. throughout the year in the case of a birthday, let's say, or let's say following uh, a major product delivery, sort of a major milestone for a team, and you mm-hmm. want to step away and recognize the group for all their efforts. So mm-hmm. we have, you know, we're fortunate that we have these levers um, in place within business units in the case of these budgets, but also, you know, within the team that Christine and I work on uh, to deliver some of these learning and culture sort of opportunities to employees at scale in a company that, you know, continues to grow. So uh, give us a sense of the of the scale that you are currently at and, and what, what, the, what the company's aspirations are for growth. Um, sure. In- so Squarespace right now um, has uh, more than 1,000 individuals uh, with the company. And it has climbed in a, in a meaningful way over the past several years towards and, in fact, surpassing that 1,000-person that goal. I think what is most interesting about the current phase and sort of the, the headcount mix um, is Squarespace's increasingly remote workforce. Certainly, we have three main offices spread across New York, the headquarters, Uh, Portland, Oregon, and Dublin, Ireland. Um, But increasingly, we have a remote workforce uh, that we are having to think more thoughtfully about, design policies in Mm -hmm. support of, um, curate learning and development opportunities that can reach these individuals. So, like, what percentage of the thousand or so uh, are are primarily remote? Gosh, I think, you know, at this stage of the game, uh, we're probably maybe about 5% remote or so, maybe 6%, right in that range. Um, And if I was to, to bet $5, it would only go up over time. Who's your main competition, and how, how do you win on talent in, in your competing in the marketplace for the best and brightest in, in, in the field that you're in? So there are many companies that Squarespace would compete against. A lot of listeners out there may have heard of great organizations like Wix.com or Shopify, for example. A lot of businesses that play in this space of making it easy for folks to set up an online presence, all of whom you know, Squarespace is privileged to compete with every day, both in the marketplace for you know, revenue, but also for talent, as you're suggesting. In terms of you know the product and sort of how the product is differentiated, we believe that there's a, a tremendous opportunity that Squarespace offers customers as it relates to the quality of the branding that is made available to users. Uh, we also believe that the platform is this integrated all-in-one solution mm-hmm. that enables consistency across platforms. And we also believe that there's a, a relatively superior ease of use uh, with drag and drop templates, and mm-hmm. you know a lack of you know you don't need a developer to get stood up on Squarespace. No, it's really easy. That's for sure. I can testify to that, and I know that's not why you agreed to be on the show for, for me to give you a, a testimonial about your product. I was curious to know though how you compete uh, in terms of talent. You know, you've got a, a great design engineer who you want to get and uh, you want to hire, but Shopify is also wanting to hire that person as well. So how do you win that competition, Andrew, when you're trying to you know, get the best and brightest from uh, an increasingly competitive labor market? Totally. It's a, it's a great question. 
one that many listeners are probably navigating with their respective organizations as well. I think Squarespace aspires to to cultivate an inspiring culture that can be the foundation for employees to do the best work of their lives. And it may sound sort of lofty or ambitious, um, but at the end of the day, we believe that the, the culture that we are creating and sustaining um, and adapting you know, over time, uh, we believe that that is the kind of thing that will win in this marketplace. And so, as you said at the top of the show, sure, there are tremendous you know, perks like being able to bring your dog to work or free breakfasts and lunches for employees. Um, certainly, there are the types of learning and development investments and culture investments that we spoke about. I think if we step away from some of those those features, again, to build on it, things like world-class health insurance and generous 401k mm-hmm, matching mm-hmm. and also philanthropic matching for employees' donations, all of those things are tremendous. Nice. Mm-hmm. I think the opportunity to do the best work of someone's life is what could be uh, um, the most meaningful differentiator for Squarespace. Mm -hmm. This is not an organization where individuals are brought in to just keep the lights on or maintain what has already um, been created, but rather to push the boundaries of what is possible in the web or their discipline, Um, you know, whether that's on the legal team, the finance team, a marketing team in HR, in customer support, software engineering, design, what have you. Um, that, I think, can be the, the north star, the guiding light that hopefully is, is what attracts people to Squarespace relative to some of our great competitors out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is inspiring, and why not? It, it ought to be uh, the, the, an opportunity for you to grow and contribute and to use your talents to the best of your ability to make something useful happen in the world. I want to turn our conversation to the relationship between work and the rest of life, which is the main you know, uh, focus of our show. How do you see that uh, set of interconnections, um, the relationship between work and you know, family, community, the private self, for the people at Squarespace, not to mention customers and other stakeholders, but focusing first on the employees, uh, what's... What's your vision as a firm of how to, how to approach the question of um, embracing the whole person without intruding on their lives and really supporting them as whole people? Mm. Nice. It's a, it's a great question, an important philosophical question for any business to consider in today's day and age. Mm-hmm. The word that I would use to summarize what I believe is Squarespace's position on this is a word that is close to your heart, which is integrated. Mm -hmm. Squarespace doesn't view these things as distinct or separate, um, checking one's personal life upon entering the office, for example. There are opportunities throughout someone's employment experience to see the integration happening. There are certainly, as you would expect, interest groups for employees to pursue passions within the office. Like, can you give us an example or two? Sure. So just yesterday, for example, if let's say you're someone that's very passionate about dogs, yesterday in celebration of, I guess maybe it was National Dog Day. It was? Something. What do you mean you guess? Of course everybody knows it was National Dog Day. Come on now, Andrew. But I'm yes, sorry. it I, was. You know, I, will, I, I will fail the National Holiday quiz when, when I get pulled into it. Well, uh, that's coming up in the second part of our show, but please continue. 
In any event, if you're someone that is passionate about your dog, uh, you know, Squarespace is not only dog-friendly, but will take the extra step of uh, organizing various dog-focused events or experiences for Amazing. people. Might there be a Halloween-focused dog um, fashion show or of sorts? Or an opportunity for dogs to dress up and sort of be showcased on employee social media channels. Incredible. Things of that sort. So, yes, an opportunity for people to bring in various external interests that they may have as part of their day-to-day. And, of course, you know, the, the same could be said on the outside, sort of individuals, if, if they are navigating something in their personal life and they're, they're carrying something with them, there are learning and development programs that our team pulls together, for example, that aim to highlight for leaders and individual contributors alike what, for example, the concept of psychological safety is, how leaders can attempt to cultivate that within their team, how leaders can attempt to be as supportive as they can while driving performance. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, not, we're not a place that expects people will check their personal lives or personal interests or personal challenges at the door when they walk into work, but rather attempt to serve those individuals, attempt to serve those areas of interest and passion or challenge that they may be navigating at any point in time. What would you say is the most effective means you've got available for helping, especially people who are in supervisory or managerial roles, to to really enact that idea of uh, respecting the whole person at, while at the same time driving excellent performance? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the best mechanism that we have at present um, are some of the uh, leader-facing employee development opportunities that Mm -hmm. we have available. There are some leaders within Squarespace for whom those types of development opportunities are supplemented by one-on-one coaching opportunities that they get access to. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you're a recently hired or promoted people manager at Squarespace and you complete our multi-hour new manager leadership development program, Mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to work one-on-one with an internal executive coach like myself uh, for up to three hours and Mm -hmm. be able to dive into some of these concepts or explore their application within your respective team to supplement the, the skill building or knowledge building that may have happened in the classroom and help you to apply it in your respective Mm -hmm. role. So Mm -hmm. primarily that's the, the lever that we pull. And of course, the other one that, that I would pull that we are you know, observing increasingly uh, since hiring our first chief people officer back in May is you know, our chief people officer, Mary Good. This would be a, a perspective that she is certainly driving from the top and infusing into her, her messages um, in, in team meetings and leadership discussions and executive conversations, all-hands meetings, and so forth. So that would be another lever that, that I believe we're pulling is making full use of Mary's experience and her perspective and incorporating that into some of these existing forums. So it's, it sounds like there's, there's a real uh, awareness of the importance of uh, helping people who have managerial responsibility to, to help their people be who they want to be, who they need to be in their lives as a whole that enables them to uh, perform to their, to their utmost uh, in their work. As you um, work with new managers in particular, and, and especially in your coaching, 
I, I wonder what what's like the biggest challenge that you see people facing today as they rise into new manager roles, particularly with respect to um, being supportive of the people who report to them uh, in terms of their um, living the lives that they want to lead? Sure. I think the greatest complicator for a fast-growing organization like Squarespace as it relates to new manager development or new manager uh, sort of onboarding activities is that a lot of new managers used to be buddies with the individuals that they are now the boss over. Mm -hmm. Uh, This sort of transition from buddy to boss, from peer to manager Mm -hmm. of the same team. And that represents a tricky dynamic for many people managers. Um, And it's something that we explore as part of our new manager onboarding experience. Certainly, you know, it's something that individuals might explore in a coaching setting. That's probably the hardest challenge Mm -hmm. for many folks is is now having to not simply um, have a, a strong relationship, a supportive and compassionate relationship with these individuals, but to also be mindful of and driving results within your team Mm -hmm. and being thoughtful around delegation and uh, driving accountability within your new team that you're now the head of. That's probably the hardest thing for a lot Mm -hmm. of people managers. And it has been forever (laughs) how you you uh, take up the the challenge of of using authority effectively to get things done in a a hierarchical relationship. And, And it's a particularly hard when you are rising um, to that kind of role from the ranks uh, with your peers. So how do you help them? Yeah. Well, in that specific situation, you know, the, the elevation of someone, the promotion of someone from a buddy to boss, mm-hmm. I think one of the... the good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of good content out there on this specific transition as many individuals face it throughout their careers, um, especially in some of these tech organizations uh, where you may be promoted only a couple of years into your career with little or no management training in certain places. I think there's, there's an important conversation that has to be had between the new manager and the direct report to not sort of dust it under the rug, if you will. Mm-hmm. To, Call a spade a spade to name it. Um, you know, the in in some of our Wharton coursework, you know, um, in the courses that you've taught, the phrase "discuss the undiscussables" would mm-hmm. would frequently be used, and this would be one of those undiscussables, sort of awkward. Let's just dive into it together. Let's mm-hmm. name it. Let's talk about what it is and how we can work together through it, uh, because it is two way. It is reciprocal. It's bi directional. It's not simply affecting one person, it affects both. Um, And so I think the greatest guidance our team attempts to offer is to encourage people, managers, to have the conversation as opposed to just keep on keeping on or delaying Mm -hmm. such a dialogue. Andrew, let's let's keep talking about um, what you've discovered uh, about we talk a lot about intergenerational differences um, on the show. What's your perspective on the values and aspirations of people in your generation, as especially with respect to the relationship between work and the rest of their lives? Mm. I think the 
the item that I would call out, Stu, that, that I know I observe and experience at Squarespace, which, as you said before the break, um, is certainly a, a slightly different environment relative to Bloomberg or Deloitte, where I worked previously. Mm-hmm. Um, at Squarespace, there is a very strong and, and visible sort of desire from employees that their values, what they believe in, are manifest through and, and as part of the organization, that there is some congruence between these hmm. in some way, that, um, that what they believe that um, should be in the world, that in some way the organization is similarly fighting for that cause or that perspective. Um, of that same sort of, or sort of um, connected to that idea, I think a lot of employees do not or would not accept an organization that may put out certain values and not necessarily live by them, um, to simply have language attached to their Mm -hmm. values that is lip service to an idea as opposed to actually incorporating it into how they work and how individuals are assessed and so forth. The espoused as opposed to the enacted values of of the organization. So can you give us an example of... uh, of a, of, a, of a perspective on the world that, that you see your colleagues at Squarespace wanting to be uh, represented by Squarespace that is, you know, that they're vocal about and active about that your company is, is indeed, uh, you know, responding affirmatively to? Sure. So one such value that I would put out there is the word inclusion. Um, uh-huh. And that may be the word that employees use most frequently. In fact, it was used very frequently when describing Squarespace's culture um, in a recent employee engagement survey. Inclusive would be the word. Um, I believe that the employees at Squarespace want us to lead on this front. They not only want it to, to be something that we practice internally, but they want it to be something that we as an organization support through our product, through our hmm. philanthropy, through our volunteerism, through all different levers that we can pull. Is that happening? Yes, yes, certainly. Tell us. In what ways? Sure. So there are certainly many examples of internally how Squarespace may um, you know, practice inclusion, for example, in our New York headquarters, there are gender-neutral restrooms for individuals Uh to go to the space where they feel most comfortable. On the outside of Squarespace, to this idea of inclusion, you know, there are many organizations out there, though I can't, you know, name them, that would sort of fit into that mission or agenda whose websites are hosted on Squarespace. There are Hmm. um, individuals that we partner with, Squarespace customers, uh, that we bring in to support some of these activities that build our inclusion agenda. We're not just, let's say, hiring a specific uh, photographer to take photos of a, a pride event in our office. We're identifying a Squarespace customer who may identify um, themselves as gender non-binary or trans in some way. So we, we definitely not only want to be practicing mm-hmm these kinds of ideas as it, let's say, relates to inclusion internally, but we also want to be thoughtful about how we may bring the outside world in and drive this agenda through our product. That's a great example, and uh, it's, it's an inspiring way to lead. Uh, as, a, as a company, and I'm, I'm applauding your efforts in that, 
in that realm. Where has it been difficult to do that? Can, like, what's what's a challenge that that you or your firm have faced in in trying to represent a, a set of values or a perspective on life that is hard to sure. really do? Well, the flip side of inclusion um, or the the real risk that that certainly any organization wants to design against Mm -hmm. is the possibility of someone feeling excluded. And if there are um, certain more progressive agendas or perspectives that the company believes in or many employees share that is sort of an attractor for talent, and yet you perhaps individually as an employee don't share that perspective or Mm -hmm. differ in the agenda that you want to support, how can Squarespace be inclusive for you too, um, and that—that that is, I think, the the great tension. There, there is such a, a variety of perspective within Squarespace. Inclusive is not simply inclusion or acceptance of progressive or mm-hmm. forward-thinking or futuristic uh, points of view, mm-hmm. but it, it's of all. It's it's of all, and at times all may generate conflict. At, at times there may be disagreement, and so. We want to work with leaders. We want to mm-hmm. create a culture where ultimately this idea of inclusion, as you know, perhaps other guests that you've had on the show have expressed, we get away from inclusion to belonging, that, that ultimately everyone can achieve that level of connection to the organization mm-hmm. um, and not simply feel accepted, uh, but rather that this is the place for them, uh, that, that they belong here. And that that. Maybe if we're if we're lucky and play our cards right, you know that that can be a source of competitive advantage well, for the company. I'm sure it would be, but it's not a matter of luck. You got to make that happen, and and I'm sure it's very difficult. And your example is is a wonderful one. I wonder if we could just dig in a little further because many people listening are facing a similar kind of issue. How do you uh, uh, enable you know the kind of cooperation and collaboration among people who might have very different political views in this very tense political time, for example, which is, I think, what you were hinting at. Yeah, um, yeah. That may be sort of one way that um, disagreements could manifest or, or show up. I think at the end of the day, our job is first to create a level of openness, right? We, we want to inspire in managers and in our senior most leaders a level of openness mm-hmm. for certainly differing points of view, but also openness to individuals who may feel as though um, they, they are experiencing some kind of exclusion or um, some kind of, gosh, injustice, if you will, yeah. to, to you know, go the next level. So we want leaders to be open to the perspectives, and we want leaders to be open to the feedback loop. Um, that's certainly one way that, that we're attempting to address this. I think, in general, all that that we can do is attempt to make those kinds of lines of communication open, not only um, person to person, but if there are certain anonymous channels that we can also Mm -hmm. tap into. Um, If there are more sort of um, middleman kinds of channels, maybe they're not necessarily feeling comfortable exploring this with their manager quite yet. Mm -hmm. They need to explore it with an HR business partner first, beforehand. Mm -hmm. So... I think our our aspiration is to create a place where all can not only feel included, but that they belong. And that would not only show up culturally, but 
to ultimately design products that can support full belonging and participation by individuals who want to create a beautifully designed website. So do people talk about politics at work? Sure. I think it's it's hard not to, as you alluded to mm-hmm. in, in today's day and age, given the, the volume of activity that is out there um, and you know, sort of the, the evolving nature of things on a daily basis. Um, and that is perhaps, you know, a, a shift. There, there's certainly a little bit more tension um, on that specific topic than maybe in years or decades past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... And what's your approach to dealing with that? Or let me put it otherwise. What have you learned about how to manage those kinds of tensions? Because I know that there's a lot of interest in figuring that out these days with so much strife and you know inter-group uh, uh, conflict about political questions having to do with everything from well, immigration, education, income inequality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What have you learned about how to enable those kinds of conversations to to really affect this aspiration to have a sense of belonging of all different views? Sure. Well, I think there are certain practices that we've attempted to infuse within, let's say, our, our meetings or off-sites that our team may curate or... Mm-hmm development programs that we pull together for employees that drive listening behaviors, you know, from mm-hmm. our employees to spark, you know, this, this kind of open mindset, you know, in, in some of the work that we did, you know, many years ago at Wharton, you know, another one of your guests in the past, Roger Schwartz, um, he talks about this concept of the mutual learning mindset mm-hmm. and how might we infuse those kinds of ideas around curiosity and compassion um, into our employees' communications and interactions Mm -hmm. with each other. Might we in the future, for example, stand up some kind of an internal communication code of conduct to encourage employees to be thinking in this way, to, Mm -hmm. to focus, let's say, on interests, not positions, or to test their assumptions more thoughtfully, to discuss the undiscussable, to understand that maybe they don't have all of the information Mm -hmm. and with more information their mind might be more fully opened. Um, Those are the kinds of things that I I think we are beginning to explore and Mm -hmm. perhaps down the road we'll we'll grow more rigorous in as it relates to policies and practices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope you do and and that you can come back and tell us what you discover from from taking those initiatives Uh, because uh, I believe that you know the the workplace is a is a very important venue for people not only learning how to listen and to have some sense of compassion for people who have different perspectives, um, but where they can really uh, grow as 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 people in 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 their uh, discovery of how to do that. So uh, that's a that's a laudable goal. I want to turn our attention uh, to um, parents. Um, How are you personally thinking about your expanding responsibilities in life and work, Andrew? Sure, yeah. I mean, my wife and I were were very fortunate to be pregnant at this moment with, you know, our first child. And so you're absolutely right to call out that this is a a meaningful moment, um, both for both of us, um, as we are on the front lines of or soon approaching uh, 
um, that important question of navigating work and life Mm -hmm. and and even more um, elevated demands on the life front. Um, I think the The family life front. Yeah, 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 certainly. So I think the the way that we have um, we've been both been fortunate is that both of our workplaces, I would say, view work and family as allies as opposed to enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not something that we take for granted in, in this day and age where still the United States lags uh, relative to many industrialized nations when it comes to parental leave. And um, specifically in my case, you know, I will be fortunate to be able to take somewhere between 8 and 18 weeks of you know, fully paid leave following the birth of that child. And and allocate it over the course of you know the child's first year of life. That's so awesome. These are tremendous how, perks that the company makes available. How do you and get eight to eighteen? Can you just explain that range? Sure, sure. Well, I think the the reason for the range is that at present Squarespace um, has distinguished between primary and secondary caregiver, and um, at this moment, I'm unclear whether I will fit into one of those buckets or the other, um, oh. and. In the future, it wouldn't surprise me if the organization, like many others, would move away from that distinction and simply offer a bucket of paternal or parental leave uh, sort of time, or perhaps even more generalized family leave uh, for individuals to step away from work, not only for the birth or adoption of a child, but to care for a sick relative or an elderly or aging parent. Mm -hmm. I think that is something in our near future. So the range is is both a reflection of my own uncertainty at this moment and also the company's evolving position on this topic. Mm-hmm. So, are, so men, are men taking uh, parental leave? Oh, yeah. Let me offer an example. There's, there's one uh, man that I've gotten to know who works in our engineering organization um, who, following the birth of, of his first child, took one month of parental leave and saved the balance for use later in the year um, mm-hmm. and is now sort of on his second parental leave, taking three of the remaining four weeks that he has access to. Um, and I would say, in general, the answer is yes. Uh, we are very fortunate at Squarespace that, in addition to the parental leave offering, uh, Squarespace offers employees an unlimited paid time off uh, sort of package as well. And so it wouldn't surprise me if there are other employees who certainly they may take parental leave following the immediate birth or adoption of a child, um, but if there are other moments throughout a, a child's first year, perhaps let's say if, God forbid, they needed a, a surgery or something like that, I can only envision the company would be supportive, so, and that's what the employees expect today. Unlimited paid time off? Can you explain that? Yeah. Policy? So Squarespace makes available to employees uh, an unlimited paid time off package. There is no set number of hours or days that employees um, are sort of tracking from. I see. This is in lieu of vacation time. Is that right? Right, right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly there is guidance around sort of what's normal. Mm -hmm. You know, employees wouldn't necessarily assume that not working for the entire year would count as acceptable. Uh, But... I think the company in general wants to encourage employees to pursue items outside of their life that are very important to them mm-hmm. under the hypothesis, 
your research-supported hypothesis, that they will then perform better when they are at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are many individuals who have, let's say, side businesses that pursue those really? ventures. Yes, yes. And, of course, there are individuals who have hobbies or other sources of passion mm-hmm. uh, in their lives, including their children. So mm-hmm. I think the company, again, we're very fortunate that they, they take this perspective and they practice it, and it's not just lip service. It's not just up on Glassdoor or a careers website, but it is actually practiced within the organization and supported by leaders. So that man who took two consecutive parental leaves, how do people look at him? What do they think about his commitment to the company, his career prospects? What's his reputation like? individual, you know, in case it's, it's um, any, um, it, it's a bit more telling, I suppose, for the example, the recommendation that he received to break up his parental leave came from the global head of his department. So it is not simply, you know, something that this individual thought about on their own, but it was something that was encouraged by, supported by, mm-hmm. advanced by uh, the global head of his function, who was certainly in support of it when he made the recommendation. So most companies, in most companies, there is a stigma, uh, a penalty associated with taking parental leave, both for men and women. Are you saying that that doesn't exist at Squarespace? Well, I, I, at this stage, I wouldn't be in a, in a position to say that there is no such stigma you know, anywhere in the organization. You may find out. Right, right. So I think I'll have to report back on that also. Okay. But what I would say, you know, in particular through this specific example of this, you know, other man that I'm referencing whose global department head encouraged him to yeah. not only take the full leave but uh-huh. split it up and support him doing so, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that there is a penalty or a stigma because the tippy top of the house is advancing mm-hmm. these points of view and encouraging it. Yeah, that that is indeed encouraging. Andrew, we are rapidly uh, counting down the clock here to our end. I've got one more question. It's one that I've been asking all of my guests this year, the year of accountability, as Mm -hmm. I am hoping it will be. So here's my question. What do you do to hold yourself accountable for living in accord with the values you most hold dear? What one thing do you do that helps you to live that way? 30 seconds. I think the the best accountability driver that I have available is sharing the experiment or uh, modification that I'm hoping to make in my life or the value that I'm trying to live out more fully with somebody else. And that manifests both in work, mm-hmm. you know, with executive coaches that, that I work with, for example, who will then hold me accountable and check in on progress, but also at home to explore with my wife where I'd like to make shifts and try to track and make it happen. That makes perfect sense to me. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a good, uh, it's a good practice for, for those of us uh, trying to, uh, to do the same thing. So I appreciate your sharing that. Andrew, uh, where can people find out more about what Squarespace is up to and where it might be going next? to go um, is to Squarespace's website, squarespace.com. 
hopefully everybody finds it to be a beautiful website, given that that's the business we're in. At the very bottom of the homepage there, you'll see a section called Company, and it's there where you can learn more about the company, check out some of the available careers. There's even a pretty interactive section around the evolution of the Squarespace brand from when the company was founded in a University of Maryland dorm room by Anthony Casalina in 2003 to where it is today. Hmm. What is the single most cool thing about Squarespace in 15 seconds, if you can? Wow. The single coolest thing? Yes. I think it's pretty special that every employee at Squarespace is not only encouraged to pursue their, their passions outside of work, but the company funds up to two fully comped websites per employee huh. to make it happen. Wow. So again, that is cool. just a value, awesome. but a practice. That's fantastic. Andrew, it's so great to catch up with you and to hear the wonderful things you and your colleagues are doing at Squarespace. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrew Stern of Squarespace and that you found it to be interesting and enlightening and that it might have even sparked some fresh ideas about what a company culture that truly embraces the millennial mindset looks like. So here then is a challenge for you, an invitation, especially if you're a millennial yourself or you have young people working for you, what practice might you try to bring to your workplace, even just as a short-term experiment, that brings employees' core values in their lives to the fore? Let me know what you come up with and what happens if indeed you act on any such idea. I would love to hear from you. So get in touch with me directly, friedman at wharton.upenn.edu, or find me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 132, Wharton Business Radio. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. For more about this episode's guest and about previous guests, visit workandlifepodcast.com. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership. Be a better leader, have a richer life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate it on iTunes, and share it with your friends family, and co-workers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.